Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. Hallelujah. Man, feels good to be here this morning. Can you hear me? I'll get a little bit louder, I promise. Whoa, hey. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can you hear me? Okay. How am I? Is that better? I promise I will get slightly louder between here and there. Man, the king is here. The king is here. Um, I don't know about you all, but I've been in church for a long time. I've grown up in church, raised in church, lived in church my whole life. My grandfather was a Church of God pastor. Um, thank God for that. Thank God for some of that that passed along and some of it that didn't. They got some things right and they got some things wrong, and that's okay. And we love them for it. But I was raised in church. And uh, we get real familiar with vernacular like he is here and his presence is here. And he's with us. And he's moving. And we get in a service like this. Where the worship is strong. And the music's good. And we're jamming out. And the pastor gives a couple of different calls. Like if you've got a request. Come up front. And I'm allowed to do this. Because I'm not from here. So I can say stuff like this. I'm allowed to poke and prod a little bit. But we get a couple of requests. Yeah I stole your line. I get a, we get a couple of requests from the pastor, like if you've got a request, come up front. And we think, we hear he's here, and we think, yeah, that's good, but like, well, my request isn't that important. Because we get a little religious in our thinking. But when we say he is here, what we mean is he is here. He is here. And I don't know if we realize what mean, we mean when we say that, but he, the king of glory is here. The king of creation is here. Yes, the Christ man, the man who walked in flesh, who breathed our air and walked in our dirt is here, but the one who was and is and is to come is here. The one who healed the nations, who spoke the seas and mountains and who formed us is here. And religion says to us, stay in your seat, Stay where you're at because what you're going through isn't important. But I want to beg you today. I want to beg you today to look at your relationship. Because sons and daughters don't say, I've got to take a number. Sons and daughters don't say, what I'm going through isn't important to dad. Sons and daughters don't say, what I've got going on isn't important to him. Sons and daughters say, whatever I've got, he cares about. Whatever I'm going through, he cares about. I may not be heading off to the army. But what I'm going through, he cares about. And when we say he is here, we mean the one who John said who had eyes like a flame of fire. Whose hair was white like snow. Whose face shone like the sun. Whose feet were like bronze tried in the fire. Who had a vester that was dipped in blood and a sash of pure gold. He is here. 
He walks with healing in his wings, the word says. And he is here and he cares. He cares. And our religion says, stay where you're at. Because what you're going through isn't as important as somebody else. And it doesn't come to the mind of a pastor two and three and four times in the middle of a worship service if you need prayer, if you need prayer, if you need prayer because one person needs it. It comes up because somebody else in the house has something that he's here to fix, that he's here to meet, that he's here to encourage and step into. And I just want to tell you today that he's not done. That he's not done. And yeah, I got a word and we'll get to it. And we'll get to it. But I want to tell you that he's not done. And he's got more today than you can even imagine. He's got more today for you than you can fathom. And he is not done. And he cares where you're at. He cares where you're at. It burned inside of me as I sat there. And I watched as the pastor stood here and implored people to come and to lay their needs before him. Because he cares. He cares. Okay, I'm going to get started. But he cares. He cares. I am uh, excited to be here. I'm grateful to be here. I'm thankful to be here. But I had to get that off my heart. Because that's what the Lord gave me. So I had to get that off my heart. These are my people. And that means you people are my people. So um, I'm, ex- I'm excited to, um, to, to give you the word that the Lord's gave, given me. These guys are family to me. Man, when, when life hits and when seas are rough, these are the people I call. These are the people I call. And we may be a city or two apart now, but these are the people that I lean on. You know, these, these are family to me. And you guys have a great bunch here. And I'm so excited to be here to be able to honor them today and to be able to celebrate them with you. Because they are, I hope you understand the treasure that you have in these families. And in this team that you have, Dwight and Tina, Maddie, Pastor Harry, and all the rest. I shouldn't have started naming because I'll forget somebody. Sister Sylvia, I hope I got everybody. But this team, it, we, we didn't, the apostle will say this often. We didn't scrape together leftovers to plant a church. We sent you our best from the home church. We truly sent our best. And, and it shows in the fruit of this house. It shows in the fruit of this house. Okay. What I've got this morning for you is out of John 7. I want to take you to John 7 this morning. And we're going to start in verse 37. John 7 verse 37. And I'm in the King James Version this morning. John 7 verse 37. We'll read and then we'll pray. Jesus says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man... Any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The message the Holy Spirit has given me this morning is rivers that flow. Rivers that flow. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you for the authority and the power of your word. We ask for your utterance this morning. I pray that you would give me words to speak and thoughts to think. I pray that today that 
these people would receive from you everything that you have from them. That today that they would walk into a fresh infilling of you. They would walk into fresh levels of you. That they would walk into fresh anointing from you. And that today that they would walk into a new revelation of who you are in them and what you want to do through them. Lord, bless this people. Let this seed be good and let it produce effective fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's at a feast. He's at the Feast of Tabernacles. Three times a year, the Jews would go to Jerusalem according to the word of the Lord. In Deuteronomy, way back in Deuteronomy, remember Jesus is a Jew. He's not a Christian at this point. Jesus is a Jew. Way back in Deuteronomy, the Lord says, I want you three times a year to come before me, to gather before me all the men of Israel and have three feasts. It was the feast of Passover, what we know as Passover. These are our terms, feast of Passover, feast of Pentecost and the feast of Tabernacles. We all pretty much know what the Feast of Passover is. It celebrates the Israelites being passed over by the death angel. It celebrates the Israelites being saved in Egypt from the death angel when they were escaping from Pharaoh. The Feast of Pentecost we're a little more familiar with, but in Christian terms. In Jewish terms, the Feast of Pentecost was a Feast of Harvest. Pentecost for the Jews did not begin at Acts 2. Pentecost for the Jews was to celebrate Harvest. It was 50 days after the it was 50 days after Passover. It's actually the feast of weeks. It was 7 weeks, 49 days plus 1 after after the Passover. And so then they had the feast of tabernacles. And the feast of tabernacles was kind of a weird feast. For the feast of tabernacles, all the Jews would gather together and they would build huts and tents. And they would all put these tents together in the middle of the streets in Jerusalem. And for the whole week, everybody would live in a tent. And they would all live in these tents inside the streets in Jerusalem. And they would eat inside the tent. They would live inside the tent. They would drink inside the tent. They would party inside the tent. Their whole lives were spent inside this tent. But the purpose of it was to remind themselves of the time that God had been faithful to them in the wilderness. So Jesus, things get late real early in the book of John. Jesus starts making enemies real late in the book of John. By like, book, by like chapter 5, Jesus has called himself the son of God and everybody's ready to kill him. A lot of people are ready to kill him. So by the time we get to chapter 7, he's hiding out. He comes to the festival a little later. He's teaching in the, tabernacle, or in the temple and he comes out and here's our scene. Jesus walks out. He's hanging out in the streets and he's looking out into the streets and here are all of these tents. And Jesus, who Paul said was the rock in the wilderness that provided the water for the people in, in the wilderness, the rock that Moses hit with the staff that split open, that gave water to the people in, Egypt, in the wilderness when they come out of Egypt and they're thirsty and they're dry and they have nothing to drink and they're begging God for relief. These people are all in tents symbolizing this period of time and Jesus is sitting and watching these people who think we've made it. We've made it. These people are saying we've made it. We've arrived. We've gotten to exactly where God has wanted us to be. So many times we look at where God has brought us from 
to where God has brought us to currently, and we think that's all God wants to do in our lives. We look at the battles that God has won in our lives so far, and we think that that's enough. That that's enough. How many times have we given up on future dreams, on future hopes, on future plans that God has sown into our hearts and said, but He's won so many battles for me already. He's already brought me through so many victories. Don't you remember, God, the wilderness that you brought me through already? Don't you remember when I was living in the tent and I didn't have food and I didn't have water and I didn't have money for groceries? I remember when my wife and I were first married and we barely had money to make it and we barely had money to buy groceries or put gas in the car. And it was enough that he brought us through that season. But God does not want to leave you where he brought you to. It's not enough that he brought you to here. It's not enough that he brought you to here. Here is not the finish line. Here is not the ending point. There is where he wants to get you to. We have settled with here for so long that we have created festivals and celebrations around the here. When God said, yes, celebrate here, but look to there. The here was supposed to be to celebrate from there to here and from here to there. We've forgotten to look from here to there. We keep looking backwards instead of forwards. The scripture says that the Old Testament was types and shadows to teach us. What the church messed up in the New Testament, the pharisaical church, is it thought the Old Testament was the end-all be-all. It created, it created structure around the Old Testament. When God said the Old Testament was supposed to get us to look forward. The, old, the, the, new te, the pharisaical church took the Old Testament and kept looking backwards. God said, don't forget where I brought you, brought you from, but use it to look towards where I'm taking you to. Paul said it this way, I, I don't forget where I came from, but I press on towards the high mark of the calling of Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things behind me, but that word doesn't mean forgetting. He means I'm glancing back, but I'm not giving my attention to those things. I'm not setting my eyes on those things. Because in setting my eyes on these things, I'll trip up in going towards what he's got for me. I'll forget where he wants to take me to. The church has forgotten that where we're at is not the finish line. Yes, we're better than where we were, thank God. But should we not be? Should our generation not be better than our previous generations? But God has more for us than what we anticipate. He has more in store for us than what we can imagine. But it will only come to those whose eyes are set ahead. Whose eyes are looking up. Whose eyes are looking into those things that He wants to reveal to them. The Bible says that it is the glory of God to reveal a matter. But it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. Our glory is found in searching out the hidden things that he has for us. Jesus would say it this way when they asked him, why do you teach in parables? He said, well, that's easy. Because that's how Jesus talks. That's easy. I teach in parables, and this is my words. I teach in parables because if you don't want to understand a parable, you don't have to understand it. If you want to understand the surface of a parable, you can understand it. But if you want to get down deep into a parable, you can dig and find hidden 
treasures that I have buried for you. God will reveal as much to you as you're willing to dig for. He will reveal as much to us as we're willing to search for. But we have settled with being content right where we're at. And we've said here is enough. And from there to here is enough. So Jesus walks out into the street of Jerusalem. He sees these tents, these booths, these people celebrating. Thank God, yes, from where, we, where he's brought us from and where he's brought us to. But they've neglected to look ahead. The purpose was to look ahead. The purpose of the wilderness was to get them from Egypt to the promised land. They were just happy to survive. And Jesus is so stirred in his spirit that the Bible says he cries out. He exclaims. He, the real Greek word here means he shrieks. Can you imagine Jesus shrieking? The Bible, even the Greek word here even means to croak like a crow. It's a, it's a sudden burst of, of, of excitement and of exclamation from Jesus. Because his soul within him, his spirit within him, leaps out of him. Because he wants these people to know that where they're at is not all that he has for them. And he says to them, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. The word for come here is interesting. It means to present oneself. A face-to-face interaction. To show oneself. We have. Pastor John and I talk about this often. I talk to your pastors a lot. I'm sorry. Pastor John and I talk about this often. The church in the last. However many years. Has created this idea. That coming to the house is enough. That coming to the building is enough. We've even created the idea that. Coming to this book is enough. But Jesus said, if any man thirst, he's got to come to me. He's got to come to me. He's got to present himself face to face with me. He's got to show himself with me. Just a few chapters earlier, Jesus would scold the Pharisees because he said, you search the scriptures because you think in them there is life and you fail to realize that they testify of me. We have created ideologies that say if I go to church enough and if I read the word enough, I can get sanctified enough that my kids will live right enough that they'll stay out of drugs enough that they can get married and have kids of their own that'll stay out of drugs enough that we can have a happy life. When Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I'll give you a drink that will lead to living water. But it only comes when you come to me. And the coming means a face-to-face interaction. The first time we ever... I didn't mean to go here. I do it every time. The first time we ever see the word presence in the Bible is Genesis 3.8. That word appears before that in Genesis 1-2 and it's translated face. His presence is his face. His presence is his face. If you want to get face to face with him, you got to get in his presence. 
You want to come to Jesus and get a drink? you got to get in his presence. And he stands up as he's looking at these people that think, we've made it. We've got it all figured out. We survived the wilderness. We've gotten through the tough times of life. We're cruising, baby. And he says, no, I've got drinks for you. And in order to get it, you've got to get in with me face to face in a meeting. But he promises that if you do, any man can have it. Any man can have it. Religion says it's only for the pastoral team. Or it's only for the plant team. Or it's only for those who pray six hours a day. Or it's only for those who read ten chapters a day. But Jesus said, any man who comes to me can have a drink of my water. Can have a drink of my water. All it takes is coming to me. He's inviting us in. Inviting us in to come and take a drink of him. Inviting us, imploring us. He screams, come and take a drink of me. Because there's more than where we're at. Church, there's more than where we're at. For them, for us, for our children, for our great-grandchildren. As long as we're here occupying until he comes. There's more. There's more than, of him than we can imagine. And he's inviting us in to come and to drink. He's inviting us in to come and to drink over and over and over again. The word drink here is the form of this word drink is not a simple action. It's a repetitive action. It is not a one-time thing. This is not coming to the altar, getting a taste, and going back home and saying, I'm good, I'm done. Drinking from Jesus is over and over and over and over again. David said, I do it daily. Daily. He would say, I put the Lord always before my face. David refused to look at life without the lens of the Lord. Daily drinking. In Psalm 36 and 9, David would say, For with you, talking about the Lord, for with you is a fountain of life. For with you is a fountain of life. That word for fountain means a source. That means he doesn't have to go anywhere else to get a supply. That means as long as you keep coming for drinks, he's got a supply to fill you up. As long as you keep coming for drinks, he's got a supply to keep supplying those drinks. As long as you keep searching and asking for drinks, he'll keep giving. His willingness to give out drinks is as much as our willingness to ask. The measure is on our end. The measure is found on our end. Church likes to say, or we like to say in church, there's a lid or there's a limit or I've hit a ceiling or that's. The limit is us. The limit is my willingness to come to him. That's the limit. His limit is how much am I willing to come to him and drink, to come to him and seek, to come to him and ask, because with him is a fountain of life. And the rest of that verse says, and in your light, we see light. 
That means as we drink from Him, He illuminates to us our situation. Not only do we drink from Him and receive life, but He gives light for us to see. So we drink and receive life, and then He illuminates to us to see and distinguish what's light and what's dark, what's good and what's bad, what's Him and what's not. What should I pursue and what should I stay away from? What are you wanting me to do and what are you not wanting me to do? What is it, Lord, that you want from me? Come and drink. Come and seek me. Come and find me and you'll find what I have for you. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, he said, For he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Drinking from Jesus is only half of the equation. And this is really the, the message that I think the Lord has for the house. Drinking from Jesus is half of the equation. If I only drink from Jesus for me, that's awesome. But if what I receive doesn't impact the people around me, I've missed the majority of what he's called me to. Church, I love your pastoral team. I love your plant team. But that group of people cannot accomplish the mission that God has given them for this city, this county, and this region. That group of people cannot accomplish what God has given them for this city, this county, and this region. Pastor Patrick will post it over and over and over again. Win the city. And Lord knows he's trying but Patrick only has the ability to impact the people that he comes into contact with. It takes a people that are filled with rivers of living water. A body of people that are filled with rivers of living water to change a city. It's not 10 people. It's not 20 people. It is a body of people that are filled up with rivers of living water that impact and change and, and destroy strongholds in a city to change it for His glory. So if we want to really win a city, if it's not just a slogan, if we really believe that there is a king in heaven who has called us to win a city, then we've got to be people that are filled up with rivers of living water. Because rivers sound excessive. Rivers sound like a lot of water. But the mission is huge. There are thousands of people in this city and in this county. That need interactions and impact with the king of glory. On a daily basis. And unfortunately Patrick and John can't get to all of them. They can't get to all of them. It takes you every day being filled with rivers of living water oozing out of every orifice on your body, dripping out of you everywhere you go, getting Him on everything you touch to impact this city for His glory. Because He is faithful enough that if there would be a people that would say, God... 
I don't know if I can prophesy to everybody I meet. I don't know if I can give a word to everybody I meet. I don't know how much I can give, but here's what I'll do. I'll let you fill me up, and you can drip on everything everywhere I'll go. He's faithful enough that he'll change the city. He's faithful enough that he'll start changing lives. He's faithful enough that he'll start impacting people everywhere you go. And it'll start making a difference in grocery stores and in businesses and in schools. And where you start going in your everyday life, people will start noticing a difference in you. Because he's searching for a people that will allow him to fill him up. Not a pastoral team. Not a plant team. Not a group of leaders. If any man comes to me. Rivers of living water. He said rivers of living water will flow from them. The word for rivers is it start, it's a progression. The definition goes like this. It says streams, torrents, floods. Streams. Torrents, floods. He's not going to kill you at first. He'll start with streams. He'll move to torrents. And then it'll go to floods. But he is faithful. And he's looking for a yes. He's searching for a yes. Our yes to his invitation is his green light to start wrecking stuff. Around this city. When we give him a yes. He starts getting involved in everything. And it doesn't have to be a word. To some lady at Walmart. Maybe it is. Don't put him in a box. But maybe it's just a kind word. Maybe it's just a hand. Well don't shake hands. Maybe it's just one of them. Virtual high fives. Maybe it's just a. A. Gosh, you can't smile either. Take your mask off and smile and put it back on. Maybe it's just being kind. Maybe he needs a people in this city that are kind. Maybe somebody needs somebody to be kind at the gas station when they get their change, when they get their receipt, when they head back to their car. Maybe somebody at the window needs to say thank you and have a great day and God loves you and Jesus died for you as they drive off. But he is looking for a people that will say yes. Because in our yes, it unlocks doors of opportunity for him to impact people that your pastoral team can never reach. That your pastoral team may never meet. You meet people every day that they may never meet. That they may never meet. And your yes is an opportunity. John 16 is... um, John 15 is the chapter where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. We're in him and he's in us. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And at the end of John 15, he starts talking about trials and they're going to persecute you. And there's this really in John 16, the first four verses, it really should be a continuation of John 15. But there's this weird part in John 16, verse four, it says, But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus here has told them, he said, he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. I'm in you and you're in me. 
He says persecution's going to come. And then in John 16, the first three or four verses, he says, they're going to throw you out of the synagogue. They're going to they're going to kill some of you and think they're doing God a service. And he says, I've told you these things so that when their hour comes in a different translation, the King James says that hour, I think. He says, when their hour comes, that you may believe that I told you these things. I read that and I thought, how is that their hour when they're persecuted? Wouldn't that be my hour if I'm being persecuted? And I felt the Lord say, it's their hour because they've ran into an opportunity to meet me. It's their hour because they've ran into an opportunity to meet me. Even in the hard times in this life. Even in the tough times in this life. Our yes to him. Our yes to being filled up with him. Our yes to being totally into him. Gives people their appointed moment with him. It gives people an appointed moment with him. My yes sets an appointment with Jesus. And somebody who may never meet him any other way. May never meet him any other way. And on the other side of that coin, my no can cancel an appointment. Now, Jesus is good. And he loves that person. And I'm sure he will find a way to them. But I miss out on the blessing of getting to minister to that person. My yes sets an appointment for them. It sets an appointment for them. And he is looking for people that are willing to say yes to him. Church, the mission on this house is not just to hang out and have good services. The mission on this house is not just to have good worship music. It's not just... To gather together once or twice a week and talk about how awesome Jesus is. And that's great. The mission of this house is to get you filled up. So you can go out and fill others up. And come back in and get filled up again. The mission of this house is to be a hub. To send you out and gather back together. And tell stories about how good he's been. Tell stories about how miraculous he's been throughout the week. About how wonderful he's shown up. About how gracious. About how powerfully he showed up in the interactions, in the encounters. About how when you didn't even realize it, you were able to minister. You were able to talk some grace over someone's life. You were able to minister to peace to someone. We've... Boxed him in to this presence that can only happen in a building. And can only operate through someone with a title. And someone with a microphone. And on certain days of the week for whatever reason. When Jesus stood up and cried. Stood up and screamed. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
Because he has people that he wants to flow to. He has people that he wants to get to. He has people that he needs to reach. He has people that he's got to get to. And they're in hard to reach places. Psalm 126 is a psalm of restoration. The children of Israel are coming back from Babylon. And they're crying out to the Lord to restore them. And in verse 4 they have this weird verse that says. Turn again our captivity O Lord. As in the streams of the south. The south was a super dry, hot, arid region where water couldn't get. It's not that the water didn't want to get there. It's that that area wasn't receptive to water. And in the summer months, that region would dry up. And when it dried up, life would leave the region. When the water left, life left. People in this city are dying for life. They're not just dying to encounter Jesus. They're dying for life. They need life infused into them. Because when he comes, he brings living water. And this region in the south, when it dried up, it dried up bad. And these stream beds would go completely dry for months and months and months on end. And the people would cry out for rain and no rain would come until the fall. And in the fall, rain would start to come. But the rain wouldn't start in the south. The rain would start north and it would fall on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. It would fall where God dwelt. It would fall in God's city. It would fall where God's people were. The rain fell Where God was. And the rain that fell on Zion. Came rushing down. And it would fill the stream beds of the south. And it would wash away the dead things. And it would wash away the broken things. And it would wash away the hurting things. And what was dry and barren. And and broken for months and months. Would be filled with life. In an instant. This is a picture Of how he comes and restores to those who are barren and dry and in need of him. He comes rushing and flooding in to restore life to those who are in need of him. People are in need of him in this city. They're in need of him. They're hurting. They're broken. And they need life. And they're dry. And they have no idea where the water is going to come from. And they're in a place where they're not receptive to the rain. They're in a place where they're not easy to get to. That's not to say he can't get to them. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But they're in a place where they are hard to get to. But he uses his people to get to them. He wants to use his people to get to them. And it is through us. It is through you that he wants to change this city. That he wants to shift the landscape of this city. That he wants to transform the landscape of the environment of this city. That he wants to tear down what the enemy has built in this city. Jesus would say that every foundation that is not built on him is a faulty foundation. 
When his flood comes, it erodes the faulty foundations of the enemy. It destroys the lies of the enemy. It tears down the lies that the enemy has built. Faulty foundations that have stood in people's lives for generations. That they have believed because that's what my mom believed and my dad believed. And they've held on to them. And it is his living water that can come rushing in and erode those things in moments. But it's through his people that he does it. It's not through, listen, again, I've born in church, lived in church, raised in church. But it's, it's not always through tent revivals. It's not always through Sunday morning services. It's through the everyday. It's through the everyday that he meets his people. He uses us. It's through the everyday. And he wants. He is inviting this house. To take the next step. Where we're at. Where you're at. Is great. But I feel the Lord inviting you. To come deeper. I feel the Lord inviting you. Imploring you. To come deeper. Because he wants to save this city. To win this city. Not just this house. A hundred in this house won't do it. Two hundred in the house won't do it. He wants to save the city. That's not to say they'll all end up here. But his mission is to change culture. Not to have good services. Not to have good services. His mission is to change the culture. To wreck the foundations that the devil has built in people's lives. 1 John 3.8 says that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said to his disciples before he left. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Church of the living God, Mount Sterling. Go destroy the works of the devil. And do it by allowing him to fill you with rivers of living water that are rushing in you and through you and out of you. That change the environment around you. Rushing rivers change environments. They wreck environments. Look in the natural at what rushing rivers do. They destroy things that are in their paths. Whatever's in their path gets moved. His river destroys whatever's in its path that's not founded in him. Stand with me this morning.